Hello, and welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright. What does it mean to have faith in God? There are so many ways in which the word faith can be used today that it almost can mean anything you want. So to help clarify this, today I will address what faith is from a Catholic supernatural perspective. First of all, I'll give you the example of a great saint from the first years and centuries of the Church, Saint Polycarp. Then I will try to discuss what are the different ways in which the word faith is occasionally used, ways that do not represent the proper meaning of the word. Then I will describe what faith actually is and some of its characteristics. At the end, I will give a moving example of a miracle that happened in the life of a woman thanks to her profound faith in God and in the intercession of the saints. So I hope you liked my last episode with Tim and Peyros Force. It was a fun interview and it was a great conversation. We spoke about marriage, conversion, dating, and relationships. I hope to continue combining these solo episodes like the one today that I hope you like as well with the interview episodes. The solo episodes will be typically giving a foundation for our faith. They may be brief and mostly myself alone speaking. And then the interviews will typically address some connected topics within a more fun and relaxed environment and situation. So let's go to today's discussion. To be a Catholic in the first and second century after Christ was really dangerous. It meant that probably you would not get a job, like today we can get a job anywhere, typically we have the qualifications. In the first centuries, those who were Catholic, because they were Catholic, they might not get a job or maybe even persecuted, or their property could be confiscated. And in many cases, it meant that the local governor might require you to burn incense to the pagan gods of Rome. And sometimes, because of that, if you were to reject doing that, you would be thrown to be eaten to the, by the beasts or burnt alive. And this is the case, this is what happened to Saint Polycarp, a bishop of Smyrna in modern-day Turkey. He died around the year 155. And the importance of St. Polycarp, as of others of his same time, is that the, they are the first generation of Catholics who were direct disciples of the Apostles of Christ. Because of this, he is one of those who the Church calls the Apostolic Fathers. In particular, St. Polycarp was a disciple, direct disciple, of St. John the Evangelist, and heard the gospel message directly from him. He was well-renowned, venerated during his life. Because of this, the Roman authorities thought it would be great to make an example of him and torture him and hopefully make him recant his faith, and if not, be punished with death, so that others would be uh, deterred from embracing the Catholic faith. He was hunted down from house to house in his local diocese and finally arrested. Taken before the Roman procurator, he was interrogated, and he confessed to be a disciple of Christ. And when he was told to renounce his faith and reject Jesus Christ or be thrown to the beasts, Polycarp answered those famous words, Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and my Savior? So he was 
condemned to be burnt alive. However, as they lit the fire, the flames took the form of an arch, like the sail of a ship when it's filled with the wind, and he was untouched. Moreover, a certain glow came from his body. Then one of the executioners, seeing this, went and stabbed him to death. So, what made St. Polycarp prefer death to renounce Christ? It was his faith in the divinity of Jesus Christ and his faith in the resurrection. It was faith in the most complete sense of the word. He had never seen Christ. He had never seen the divinity of Jesus with his eyes. But through the witness of St. John and of others who did see Jesus, Polycarp believed in him and in his miracles and in his divinity. He had such a strong faith that he was willing to die, to be burnt alive, rather, rather than to deny Christ. I would love to have such a strong faith. And I hope you would love to have such a strong faith too, even to the point of be willing to die before renouncing your faith. And that is not impossible. Actually, it might be easier than what you think. So let us look at what faith is, so as to understand all this better. Just as an introduction, let us say that by faith, man completely submits his intellect and his will to God, because God, who is truth itself, is perfectly trustworthy. With his whole being, man gives his assent to God, who is the revealer. Sacred scripture calls this human response to God, the author of Revelation, quote, the obedience of faith, unquote. That means that the person who believes in God obeys his words. So this supernatural faith is, above all, a gift of God. And therefore, we cannot obtain, obtain it purely by our own efforts, but we must ask God for it with insistence. We must pray to have an increase of faith and to obtain faith in the first place. So what is faith? Today, the word faith is overused or if you want, misused in many ways. People say, for example, have faith in yourself, or I believe you can do this, or I have faith in our government, or I believe in science, and so many similar things. However, in most of these cases, those who use those expressions don't mean faith in the Catholic supernatural sense of the word. They mean something quite different. In most cases, this, when people say this, they mean an expression of human hope, which is good and licit, but not the supernatural meaning of faith. Sometimes it means simply an exhortation to be self-confident, because in fact, self-confidence can help you do things that when you're doubting yourself, you would not be able to do, and that is true. Other times, belief in something means to have a certain human trust. Like when we say, I believe in science, or I believe that this team will win the championship. Obviously, if a certain topic is a scientific topic we're talking about, things should be proven, not believed in. But what we mean to say is that we trust the scientists who are stating this or that truth. So faith is not an opinion it is not a hope for the future. It is not some, some doubtful 
perception about things we cannot see. So to understand what faith truly is, let us look at the human act of faith, human faith. So then we can understand better what the supernatural faith is about. We do acts of human faith all the time, every day, even those who say they do not have faith. To give you an example, suppose you go to the pharmacy with a prescription from your doctor. You leave it at the counter, and then two hours later, you pick up a bottle with some tablets, and you are told that you have to take two of those tablets once a day. The typical person will take those two tablets once a day, without a question. That is because they have an implicit act of faith in the pharmacists, and they think that they actually put the right medication in those tablets, and that they have the, what they told them that they have to take it twice a day is correct. That is an act of human faith, because you are trusting the person who gives you a certain witness, who tells you that those tablets have the particular medication, and you think that that person that said that is a person that knows what they're doing, and they don't want to, and they don't intend to deceive you. So the act of faith, human faith in this case, is to accept a certain truth with your mind, a truth that we cannot confirm by your own senses, when in this case is that the medicine is the one prescribed, and we accept it because we trust the authority of the pharmacist who witnesses to that truth. The pharmacist is the one who tells you that is the medication in those tablets. So there's a truth to accept that we cannot confirm by ourselves, and we accept it by someone who witnesses to that truth, and we accept the authority of that witness because we trust that they won't be mistaken and they won't want to deceive us. So this is the act of human faith, which we constantly do almost every single day in different areas of our lives. And it would be almost impossible to live in peace without doing such acts of human faith. Now, when the truths accepted are not about medication, but about something supernatural, heaven, hell, judgment, the Trinity, and when the witness is not a human being like the pharmacist, but God himself, then the act of faith is called supernatural, a supernatural act of faith. However, because the intelligence is somewhat weak to, weak to do this act of faith, we need our will to want to embrace God's witness or revelation, and we need God's grace as well to move our will and to move our intelligence to put forth this act of faith. So first of all, faith is a gift of God, because without the grace of God, we could not do that act of faith. In that sense, we should pray for the gift of faith if we don't have faith. We should pray to grow in that faith and pray to persevere until death in the true faith revealed by God. So faith is also an act of the intelligence. In this sense, we define the act of faith specifically, saying that supernatural faith is an act of the intelligence moved by the will and by the grace of God, by which we accept all the supernatural truths revealed by God, truths that we cannot confirm by our senses, and we accept them because of the authority of God, who can't be deceived nor deceive us, because he is truth itself. This is why the Catholic meaning of faith is so different 
from the evangelical Protestant concept of faith, which is more of a kind of simple trust in God, trusting that if I believe in him, he will forgive my sins and be my savior. This, this is true. If I believe in God, he will forgive my sins and be my savior. But that would be called more trust or hope and not faith. Now, faith is also a supernatural virtue infused by the Holy Spirit in our souls at the moment of baptism, by which we are inclined to adhere completely to everything that God has revealed, and without this faith, we cannot be saved. We also call faith the entire content of the things that God has revealed through Jesus Christ. So, faith, in this sense, are all the truths that are contained in the deposit of faith, which we have to accept because God revealed them, even if we don't know them all individually, nor if we understand them all. So, finally, to have faith in God means to accept the authority of God who reveals all these truths because he is truth itself. So, he cannot be mistaken in what he says, and he cannot lie to us. Now, this faith implies that we accept the authority of God. And there's an important point there, because having faith implies to accept God's authority and to accept whatever he says. And therefore, it is important to realize that we cannot accept anyone who claims to speak in the name of the Lord. If a person comes to me and says, I am God and I say this, Well, what, I should believe whatever he says? No, he has to prove that he is speaking on behalf of God. So, whenever God speaks, there have to be signs that show that it is God who is revealing. Otherwise, anyone could come, and actually many people have come, and say that they are God or or that they are speaking in the name of God. So, what moves us to accept the revelation of God is not the fact that the truth that he says, seems to be acceptable to me, but the fact that we have indications or signs that God has spoken. And that's very important. Those external signs or proofs of God's revelation can be, can be called signs of credibility, or if you want to simply put, reasons to believe in that witness. These reasons to believe that God has spoken are, for example, the miracles of Christ and the, and the miracles of the saints. Or, for example, the prophecies, both those fulfilled in the life of Christ, so prophecies made by Old Testament prophets fulfilled in Christ, and those other prophecies that uttered by Christ and fulfilled later like the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem, for example, in the year 70 AD. That was a prophecy made by Christ during his life. Another of these signs of credibility is the Catholic Church's permanence and growth throughout the centuries, the incredible witness of the holiness of so many men and women and children. All these signs so that the assent to the truth revealed by God is not a blind impulse of the mind or something moved by a feeling or a blind leap of faith, as many have called it. 
But on the contrary, it is a reasonable, prudent act of our intelligence, accepting a truth that can be shown to be from God. So, there's more to say about all these characteristics of this supernatural act of faith, but I will leave those for the upcoming episode, which I encourage you to listen as well. So, to wrap up today's conversation, I will give you one amazing example, at least it's always moving to me whenever I listen to it or read it, and this example is uh, one of those reasons to believe in the Catholic faith. It is a miracle that happened in Chicago recently and was approved by the Church as a true supernatural event performed by the intercession of St. John Newman. So here I'll give you a summary, and at one point I will quote directly from the person that was affected. Her name is Melissa Villalobos. She's now 44 years of age. We're talking in the year 2021. She's a Northwestern University School of Law graduate and lives near Chicago and is now the mother of seven children. She had become acquainted with Blessed Cardinal Newman, blessed at that time, in the year 2000, and her devotion and relationship with the saint grew little by little, especially as she prayed more to him and she received more holy cards from uh, Blessed Cardinal Newman. Now, in 2013, a miracle was obtained through the intercession of Blessed John Henry Newman in her life. The situation was this. Melissa had had a miscarriage and was now pregnant in her first trimester. Now, suddenly, she started having a flow of blood. She went to the doctor, and the doctor said that there was a hole in the placenta which was allowing the blood to escape. To make matters worse, a blood clot had developed in the fetal membrane that was two and a half times the size of the baby. So the doctor said there was no surgical procedure possible, so the only solution was complete bed rest. Now, take into account that she had four children at the time and her husband had a full-time job. So any sudden movement or even sneezing could end the life of the unborn child. And Melissa was really concerned. So now this happened in May and the baby was not due until January. Besides, she, uh, her husband was about to take some, uh, make some trips out of town for several days uh, on a row. To make matters worse, later in May that year, the bleeding worsened. The doctor said that a miscarriage was very likely to happen if the bleeding didn't stop. On May 15th in the morning, Melissa woke up in bed with a pool of blood. Her husband was already in the airplane on his way to Atlanta and she had to prepare some breakfast for her kids. So she did that, risking a lot, but she had to do it because her kids were uneasy. And then went to uh, the bathroom and the bleeding, she realized the bleeding had gotten much worse. So there in the bathroom, because of the bleeding and the anxiety, she collapsed in the floor. And she did not know what to do. Any further effort would make the bleeding worse, and she was so afraid to lose her baby, and moreover, she became afraid at the possibility of her, her own death as well. So in that moment of helplessness, she recalls the following thing, and I read from her uh, report. Then I said, 
Please, Cardinal Newman, make the bleeding stop. Those were my exact words, she says. Just then, as soon as I finished the sentence, the bleeding stopped. She got off the floor and verified that there was no more bleeding and said, Thank you, Cardinal Newman, thank you. And just then, she continues, the scent of roses filled the bathroom. The strongest scent of roses I've ever smelled. And then the smell stopped. And I said rhetorically, Cardinal Newman, did you just do these roses? Thank you. And then there was a second burst of roses. And then I knew it was him. Up to there, her account. That afternoon, Melissa's cure was confirmed during a weekly ultrasound. The doctor told her that everything was perfect and that there was no more hole in the placenta. And she said, I was able to resume my full active life as a mom. I had missed being a normal mom. I missed being a mom holding her children, especially my one-year-old. Baby Gemma was born on December 27th, 2013, after a full pregnancy, weighing 8 pounds and 8 ounces, and she had no medical problems. So this cure was recognized as a true miracle by the Vatican in 2014. And you can read more about this miracle in the show notes. I encourage you to do so. Look at the show notes of this episode down below, and I will put the link to two articles that were published in a Chicago newspaper. So, I don't know what you think, but this miracle for me is incredible, especially I have a certain devotion to St. John Newman as well. I went to a school, my high school was called, called Cardinal Newman, and I had heard from him since I was in high school. And also he's from England, and my family's from England, so Wainwright, my last name is from England, so I have a special devotion to him. He was Anglican, like my dad was used to be Anglican, and then he converted to Catholicism, just like my dad. So, anyway, that's all for today. I encourage you to pray through the intercession of Colonel Newman, if you need any help or any assistance in your spiritual life especially. And I encourage you also to pass on this episode to your friends. It's a really, for me, important episode, especially regarding the faith and these amazing miracles in the lives of the saints. And if you like it, please review it in Apple Podcasts or give at least a rating there. So, well, that is all for today then, and we'll see you next time with a second part of this episode talking about the Catholic understanding of faith. May God bless your day. Mm-hmm.